Hello, and welcome back to Chasing Dramas, the podcast that explores Chinese history through historical Chinese TV dramas. This is Karen. And this is Kathy. Today, we're actually going to be discussing episode six and seven together of Hou Gong Jin Kuan Zhuan, Empresses in the Palace, because it's, or both episodes are actually pretty plot driven with not a whole lot of analysis we can do that we haven't covered already. As always, you can watch these episodes if you're in the US on YouTube to follow along. There are actually subtitles now that we saw earlier today, and I do highly recommend watching the show. So, Kathy, can you start off a recap for us? Sure. Yongzheng is still, let's just say, enjoying the pleasures of Yu Ying'er, the maid. He's even given her a special title with the name of Miao Yin Yangzi, which roughly translates to Lady with the Beautiful Voice, because we find out that she's also the daughter of a Quinn opera singer and knows how to sing. She's not super educated, even though she pretended to be and took Jin Huan's position. But the emperor is enjoying her singing enough to make up for this oversight. And he's having a uh, good time. Well, at this point, Yongzheng also decides that it's time to sleep with some of the other ladies from the selection who have not yet had the opportunity to serve the emperor. The one that's left is An Lingrong. Okay. Finally, she has this chance. You'd think that she'd be able to fulfill her duties, but no. She's shaking so much from nerves that the emperor takes one look and says, nope, I'm not spending the night with this girl who does not want to be here. And he sends her back. He gets Yu dying here instead. Ugh. All right, come on, girl. That's absolutely devastating. An Lingrong has waited months to get an opportunity with the emperor, and she just blows it. She's crying as she's sent back to her palace. And this is legitimately humiliating for anybody. Nobody really is sent back. She's basically made such a poor impression that it's unlikely she'll ever serve the emperor again. She's basically done. While this is happening to An Lingyong, at this point, Tai Ho, the empress dowager, is super annoyed at Yu Daying, the new servant maid turned concubine because... She can hear this Yu Daying singing in the dead of night, which Tai Ho does not like. The Empress Dowager wants someone like Shen Meizhuang, who is composed and poised and even keeled, taking care of the Emperor. You'll see a theme here. The Empress Dowager favors Shen Meizhuang quite a bit. In any case, we find out that this Yu Daying has been wreaking havoc in Hougong, or the Imperial Harem, which we will discuss later. Shortly after, Shen Meizhuang comes to tell Jin Huan that Tai Ho herself gave an order to strip Yu Daying, her Lady of the Beautiful Voice title, and confined her to her palace for half a month. So within half an episode, we see that this favoritism and power of this maid is already greatly diminished. Jin Huan right now is feeling a little bit cooped up. She's been sick for a few months and decides to go out to the gardens to enjoy herself. She's playing her xiao, which is a vertical bamboo flute. And it's, a, uh, it's an ancient Chinese instrument, musical instrument. And you'll see this xiao pop up quite a lot in different dramas. Well, who happens to be wandering around? The emperor. They finally meet each other face to face, but uh, oddly or cutely or whatever, she doesn't recognize who he is. 
but he knows exactly who she is. He's surprised she doesn't recognize him and takes it in stride. He pretends that he's the 17th prince instead of the emperor himself. They have a long conversation about the piece she just played, and he seems pretty enamored. So if you're thinking about how it's possible she doesn't know who the emperor is, what is explained later in the episode is that during the selection, she had her head down the entire time. She did not look up to see what the emperor and Empress Dowager actually looked like. And also in this scene, the emperor is wearing more casual clothing, not his imperial garb that's like very formal. So it might be easier to mistake him for a prince. We're just going to go along that he is uh, able to trick her into thinking that, you know, he is a prince and that she didn't recognize him. Well, when Jin Huan gets back to her quarters, she asks her maid about the 17th prince. She doesn't think the guy is him because she knows that the 17th prince is supposed to be young and handsome as opposed to this guy who is in his 40s and doesn't quite look the part. She asks if the 17th prince is actually here in the palace and it turns out that he is. So this story checks out. Not too long after, Jin Huan is in the garden again with her servants, enjoying a ride on a swing that they made, and the emperor runs into both of them again. He is still upholding the facade that he is the 17th prince, and they have a lovely discussion about apricot flowers. This is a new flower, which, of course, we will discuss later. What would our analysis be if we didn't discuss all the references to the flowers in this show? As she leaves, Jin Huan asks the 17th prince to not tell anyone that they've met because technically, this is not allowed. He, of course, agrees. If you couldn't tell, the emperor is absolutely infatuated with Jin Huan and is enamored with her Xiao playing abilities and her charm, beauty, and her education. But he hasn't figured out exactly how to see her again since she's technically sick. Yu Daying, however, is still trying to regain favor by the emperor. She's crying and singing while kneeling outside of his palace through the night. He relents and she regains favor once again and is once again flaunting it around. This episode ends with the emperor failing to meet Jin Huan for another date as it's raining and he is pulled away by his mother, the Empress Dowager, for an impromptu meeting. That was episode 6, now on to episode 7. The main crux of this episode is that Jin Huan and the Emperor missed each other for their meeting, or their date. But because it was raining, the Emperor falls ill and is bedridden for a while as he recovers from his illness. Jin Huan, her heart is now fluttering, but again, she thinks that it's the 17th prince and she shouldn't really have anything to do with him because technically she is a woman of the emperor. The big scene in this episode is where Jin Huan is out in a garden again after a few weeks and enjoying time with her maid. But who comes to visit her this time? It's none other than Yu Daying. Now, this girl is nothing but disrespectful to Jin Huan and dismisses her saying things like, you only have a rank that is a tiny bit higher than me. Who do you think you are to tell me to curtsy to you and respect you? And things like, 
rank and title don't matter in the palace. What matters is the emperor's attention. And I have his attention now. So he only cares about me, not you. Who are you? But poor girl, she doesn't realize that there are eyes and ears everywhere. And this whole exchange is overheard by the emperor himself. He's healthy now and wanted to come to see if Jin Huan was here. Like a knight in shining armor, he steps in and reveals himself to protect Jin Huan from the verbal abuse and disrespect from Yu Daying. Yu Daying is shocked and drops to her knees immediately, referencing him as the emperor. Jin Huan hears Yu Daying greet him as such and is equally shocked because she now realizes that he was the emperor all along. Yu Daying is crying and wailing, trying to get the emperor to forgive her, but he's had enough of her. She is demoted from her position to a position that is just above a maid. And in response to her comment about Jin Huan only being a tiny bit higher in rank than Yu Daying, the emperor promotes Jin Huan's rank to that of a noble lady. She is now the same rank as Xin Meizhuang. This is incredibly out of the norm because she has yet to quote-unquote serve the emperor, but he doesn't care. That's how much he likes her. And just like that, she gets promoted. The emperor, in an extremely romantic gesture, decides to pick Jin Huan up and carries her all the way back to her pavilion, where everyone, the eunuchs, the maids, the guards, can all see this. Everyone now knows that she is definitely favored by the emperor. At her pavilion, Jin Huan's servants are absolutely ecstatic to see the emperor. And indeed, what happens after the emperor drops off Jin Huan and makes the formal declaration that she has been promoted to a noble lady, she becomes showered with gifts from not just the emperor, but the imperial household department. You know the department that was withholding coal and stuff like that in the last episode? Now they're giving her tons of materials. She gets new servants to make up for the ones that left in prior episodes. And now she has new clothes and new gifts. It's pretty despicable, but hey, that's just how it is. The episode ends with Jin Huan discussing with her friend, the Imperial Doctor, Wen Shichu, that it's time to make her get better slowly. That way, she will be able to fulfill her duties as a concubine. He's obviously a bit upset, but at this point, there's not a whole lot that can be done. That was quite a lot for both episodes. But now we want to get on to the analysis. The first thing that I want to discuss is really quickly this bit about An Lingrong. So again, An Lingrong is the third friend, the third girl that joined the palace with Shin Meizhuang and Jin Huan. And she hasn't really been mentioned a whole lot in the last few episodes, but we do have to feel for her. She had the opportunity of a lifetime to actually serve the emperor, but she completely blew it. From one perspective, this again shows her class difference between herself and the other ladies. She doesn't have the confidence and it was probably getting to her head a little that she was just going to, you know, stay as a lowly dying or, you know, second class female attendant rank in the Forbidden Palace. She didn't expect to have the opportunity to actually serve the emperor and therefore sealed her own fate. It seems like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Other women knew they would have at least had a chance, but she did not. And this really is humiliating for her. 
Who knows what people are going to do to her from now on? She is the laughing stock of the palace. And she's already experiencing that uh, in front of Huafei and others during, you know, official Qing'an court greetings. And she is also being laughed at by this Yu Daying, who is of a much lower birth rank than she is. But now they're actually on the same level. And so she feels really, really terrible. And this is where, if anybody experiences this, where you actually start to see her personality change a tiny bit. So that was a little bit on An Lingrong and her predicament. Let's discuss Yu Daying, Yu Yinger. So who is this lady? Her character to me is kind of like level one of this video game. And the video game is the Imperial Hera. We saw level zero or the training level with Xia Dongchun because at least with Yu Daying, she's served the emperor. So she's still around. Well, why is she not a threat? Why is she level one? You'll notice that the empress and even Huafei aren't too worried about her. Huafei is nowhere near as jealous about Yu Daying as she is of, say, Shen Meizhuang. And why is that? Well, because this Yu Daying is a maid and her father taught her how to sing. In Chinese society, um, during this time period and in any time period, really, singing and acting in general is a very low class activity, especially if you're doing this for money. You're singing for money, which equates you to, um, I'll let you think of what that means. Anyways, no one in Hogong thinks that she's actually going to become anything of substance because she has no background, meaning her family isn't wealthy or powerful, and also because she's not very classy or smart. She's a minor annoyance right now, but everyone knows that she's just a tiny distraction for the emperor. Basically, people are expecting for her to crash and burn. It's just a matter of when it will happen. So how do we see this? Well, there was a whole debacle with Yu Daying and a couple of other established, more established ladies in Hogong. Basically, one of the younger ladies says that she and another woman called Xin Changzai, who we have met previously, were walking past Yu Daying's carriage and Yu Daying's horse got spooked. Because of this, Yu Daying and Xin Changzai, this other woman, got into a verbal spat and Yu Daying ordered Xin Changzai to be thrown into Shen Xingsi, which is, uh, I think roughly translates to the Department of Prudence or the Office of Punishment. Basically, it's the Hogong version of prison. But the problem here is how can Yu Daying, a second-class female attendant, do this to someone who is of a higher rank? Xin Changzai is actually a first-class female attendant. And again, in this society, rank and title are incredibly important. Yu Daying really overstepped her bounds. Remember in the third episode when Xia Dongchun tried to punish Jin Huan and her friends and she got basically beat up and killed for that? Yeah, that's kind of what happens. Yu Daying absolutely has no authority to put another woman into this office of punishment or this, you know, prison unless she was someone as powerful as Huafei or Huang Hou. 
The arrogance of Yu Daying has caused a lot of other concubines to be very mad. And so what we'll see is that no one really is willing to help her. Sure enough, Shen Meizhuang comes to Zhen Huan's palace to give the news that Tai Ho, the Empress Dowager herself, gave the order to release Xin Changzai, strip Yu Daying of her Miao Yin Yangzi, or Lady of the Beautiful Voice title, and to confine her for half a month. The Empress didn't give the order because, as explained in the next scene, Tai Ho has much more sway in these matters than Huang Ho. Because inevitably, the Emperor could have talked to Huang Ho to say, oh, let's just leave it. But when Tai Ho says something like this, Huang Shang can't say anything about it. Huang Ho basically can't go punishing favorite concubines, but Tai Ho, the Empress Dowager, can it seems as though things have calmed down a bit, and this Yu Daying has definitely lost a level of favoritism and power. And in just one episode. Now, the emperor, who was super into her, doesn't care that much anymore. She's outside his palace singing nonstop, but he doesn't care. While that was exacerbated by the fact that he's met Jin Huan at this point, he has seen her true colors of someone who is uneducated and not very classy. His attention span can only be captured for so long with someone who isn't uh, as educated. Another thing is that you see how terrible of a person this Yu Daying actually is. She is cracking walnuts for the emperor as he naps, but to show her power, she asks one of the emperor's eunuchs to come help her. But to help her, she decides that he needs to use his bare hands to crack walnuts and not use any tools. Have you ever eaten walnuts before? They are encased in a very tough shell and you have to use tools to crack the walnuts open. So cracking them open with your hands or with your bare hands is very difficult. Basically, what she's doing is punishing him for literally no reason other than the fact that he is a eunuch and she thinks that she is above eunuchs. He tries to push back, but she insists. And unfortunately, he can't really do anything because he's a servant and she is a master now. So he is cracking these walnuts and his fingers start bleeding. It's also clear that this woman only cares about short-term displays of power. Anyone with actual power would not pull these things. Well, maybe Huafei, but she has more money and power to back her up. What Yu Dang does now is only going to hurt her rather than help her in the future. I think this show is also a good lesson on the importance of treating people as equals or at least treating people just as people, even if they are a bit different from you. A key theme of palace dramas is how overlooked eunuchs and maids can seem, even though they are just humans like the rest of the masters in the show, and they have the full range of emotions and feelings and thoughts. Yu Daying cares only about her current situation and flaunts it. She doesn't realize that compared to the rest of Hougong, she's nothing. She does attempt to try to ally herself with Huafei, but that doesn't work too well. This is also a little bit of an oversight from Huafei. You'll notice that Huang Ho doesn't even try to pick Yu Daying as an ally because she's not worth it. And indeed, we see in episode 7, Jin Huan doesn't even have to do much and is able to destroy this level one villain. Jin Huan just stands there and lets Yu Daying kind of 
how how should I say this, pave her own path towards her own destruction. When Huang Hu, the empress, hears about Yu Dai and getting demoted, she doesn't even bat an eye. She says, it's expected. And Huang Hu also expected Jin Huan to be promoted. Let's now discuss the fact that the emperor and Jin Huan finally meet. For the sake of this show, we'll again pretend that Jin Huan has never actually seen him. So let's just move on from there. <laughs> Yong Zheng and Jin Huan discuss the piece that she's playing on the show the first time they meet. It's called Xing Hua Tianying by a Song Dynasty poet, Jiang Kui. The poem references apricot flowers and is about someone missing his sweetheart and being nostalgic for a bygone era. Now we have another flower to introduce apricot flowers. Xinghua, or apricot flowers, is another flower that is commonly used in Chinese literature. And uh, it means happiness because Xingfu in happiness is like Xinghua in Xing. So a little bit of wordplay there. Um, so at this point, we've talked about chrysanthemums, plum flowers, and peonies. Well, this apricot flower also becomes a talking point the next time Yongzheng runs into Jin Huan in the garden in episode 6. He asks if Jin Huan likes apricot flowers because of the piece that she played last time. Um, and she says that yes, Xinghua are modest and gentle, in which Yongzheng responds, the flowers like you. But Jin Huan says, no, I don't like Xinghua. They look pretty, but the fruit and the seeds are bitter. If my life starts out beautiful, but the ending is sad and lonesome, why would I want to be like this flower? I'd rather be a pine tree. I can stand forever in the forest and be green and colorful for my entire life, even if I'm not the most extravagant or pretty. There's a lot of foreshadowing in this exchange. Most ladies in Hougong like to use a flower uh, metaphor. Shemeizhuang with chrysanthemums or juhua. Huang Hou with peony or mudan. But Jin Huan doesn't. She'd rather be something completely different, like a tree. This shows that she is different from the other women in Hougong. And this also shows the differences between Huang Shang and Jin Huan. He automatically assumes that she likes Xinghua because she played one piece and there just happened to be Xinghua around. He basically puts her in a box and although he seems intrigued by her, do we really think that he's listening? Or is he just inferring? Well, regardless, in episode 7, he really goes all out for her. So maybe. Well, in these two episodes, I think the most eye-rolling thing, or would you say the most naive thing about this drama, and perhaps this shows how old and cynical you and I are now, is that Jin Huan is still wishing that she still will have a once-in-a-lifetime love that will be with her until death. The phrase she uses is, this is probably one of the most cliche lines in Chinese dramas. It is literally used in all the sappy Chinese dramas to talk about wanting an everlasting love. This line is actually from a poem from a Han Dynasty female poet named Zhuo Wenjun. The Han Dynasty, for some context, was one of the earliest dynasties in Chinese history and existed more than 2,000 years ago. So this poem is pretty famous. This 
phrase basically translates to, I want to get the heart of one person and that we are not to part even when we have white hair. It's kind of a elongated translation. This is not the official translation, just what I am trying to explain to everybody. But basically what this phrase means is that, you know, you want to have a loving relationship that lasts forever. Who doesn't want a long, everlasting, you know, relationship with someone who loves you and someone that you love? But this is completely incongruous with the situation that Jin Huan finds herself in. For all the other dramas where this line is dropped in a palace drama, it's like a total, it's just a ton of BS. Fortunately, Jin Huan's main maid, Jin Xi, gives Jin Huan a dose of reality and says, you really can't expect that everlasting love, especially with your life right now. The only thing you can expect is that the emperor shows you he cares. He cannot have only one heart for you, but what he can do is use his heart and show that he cares about you. That's as much as you can expect. And hey, I think that's some pretty solid dating slash relationship advice. Having fair expectations will help manage any relationship. In general, though, we find out what Jin Kwan really wants at her core. And I think it's what a lot of women want, which is to be loved by someone wholeheartedly. Unfortunately, in this drama and in their lives, these women in the imperial harem are fated to never experience that kind of love. Now that Jin Huan has the full attention of the emperor, everything is coming into place for Jin Huan to uh, bear the brunt of palace drama. She will have to go to Qing'an her greetings, deal with backstabbing, and make alliances. Since he put it best, she was never truly away from palace battles, and each lady's fortunes are closely related to court, to imperial court. So in the next episodes, we'll see how Yongzheng and Zhen Huan get along, and what actually happens, um, and what are the reactions from the other concubines in Hougong. Well, that's the end of today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you have any suggestions or comments, please send them to chasingdramaspodcast at gmail.com. Until next time.